Thank you, Lord. 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 In Jesus' awesome name we have worshipped. And so, precious Holy Spirit, we trust you tonight. that that which you have proposed to do here tonight, we will not escape this encounter. Holy Spirit, you will move so mightily in our midst. And by the time we are done, we would have been glad that we have been in your presence. Let Jesus be glorified. And let the Father be highly exalted. Thank you, Holy Ghost. In Jesus' awesome name, we have prayed. You may be seated. Hallelujah. It's a good time to welcome somebody by your side to Bible study tonight. Just let them know you are glad that they are here. You can prophesy to the person that um, God will do them good tonight. Praise God. Um, so, before we go into the teaching tonight, we have some administrative functions to perform. Uh, we'll quickly dedicate a baby then there is a missionary couple in the house that want to share some things with us we'll give them a few minutes and then they will share with us and then we'll trust Jesus for accurate response in the name of Jesus um, today is Independence Day and we celebrate Nigeria. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know it is quite difficult to celebrate Nigeria right now. <laughs> but we are glad that we are Nigerians. Even though some of us are not glad, we are glad. That we are Nigerians. We thank God for his mercy. And we trust Jesus that a great Nigeria will be born in our lifetime. Amen. We will see a Nigeria that works. So don't be troubled. I know things are tough. And um, it's almost as if there's a hopelessness over the land. But light shines brightest when it is darkest. So the best of Nigeria is yet to come. And by the grace of God, you will eat of the best of Nigeria. Yeah. 
in the name of Jesus. So can we celebrate Nigeria? Nigeria. We pray that a president that loves the people, God will give to us in the name of Jesus. Praise God. So we'll give um, the couple, let's do the couple first, then we do the dedication. Um, but before they come up, before I introduce them, um, just remind us, as usual, I do this every Sunday so that those of you that need reminders, you'll be reminded. Our project is still on. Our desire is to leave this building as quickly as possible. So if the Lord has laid on your heart, as at today, we are about 14 million plus, so we need about 25, 26 million to do the first phase. So, whatever God has laid on your heart, please join us in sacrifice. The account details are on the screen. Remember, we've already purchased the land. The land has been cleared. Um, the rains are subsiding. We are trusting God to start the foundation this month of October. And then once we've done the foundation, we'll send fee you. And that's the first phase. And the budget is 40 million. And then when we finish that, we'll start building. And we trust God that before December next year, we should be done with that project. As God shows us mercy. Do you believe that? Yes, so say big amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, help us tonight. In the name of Jesus. So last week, we began to x-ray the burden of the Lord as relates to the quality of individuals that he expects to bear his name in the last days. And this burden was have vested from the portion of scripture where it says that Jesus was speaking about the end of days and he raised a serious body. He said that when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? And if you were here last week, I said that that question from Jesus lays two critical facts on the table. Fact number one, is that the Son of Man will return. There is no question about his return. Just in case you are still in doubt, it was Jesus himself that said, when the Son of Man returns. He didn't say, if. It is not conditional. It is not something that is still up in the air. It's a guarantee in the realm of the Spirit. In fact, by the calendar of God, which God alone knows, God is the only one that has the details of that calendar. By the calendar of God, the date for the return of Jesus is already fixed. Jesus was the one that said that these matters are matters that are within the purview of the Father alone. So the Father has details of that calendar. And at the appointed time, whether you believe it, whether you want it, whether you wait for it or not, Jesus will return 
The second fact that that initiates is the fact that, okay, when he returns, there's a certain quality of personnel that he's expecting to find when he returns. And the critical quality is that the men and women that he will find on the earth will have a substance that is called faith. A substance called faith. That means these will be people that are actively waiting for the return of Jesus and are willing to do whatever is necessary to guarantee that they do not lose their place when he returns. So our body last week was the fact that despite this being a critical matter in the heart of Jesus, the painful reality staring us in the face as the body of Christ in present day is that the church of Jesus Christ is not preparing men for his return. So the quality of people that we are raising within our denominations are people that will not be able to meet that critical criteria. They will not be fit. And if you were here in the first part of this teaching, I showed you an example when Jesus was saying, will he find faith in the earth? We went to Hebrews chapter 11. And the Bible tells us that by faith, when they were persecuted and brought to death, they refused to be set free why? Because they desired a better resurrection. By faith. That means they were captured. They were tortured. Hmm? They were positioned to be killed. But yet, they refused to be set free. Why? Because they desired a better resurrection. Because why the Bible uses resurrection in that context is the fact that if they were tortured to death, hmm, they would have died. Right? They would die. But if they, they have already put a sentence of death upon them, and then for certain reasons, they now say, okay, we renounce. And then they are set free from death. It's like they have come back from the grave. Are you with me? So rather than have that kind of resurrection in the earth, they decided that they will have something better. They will die here. And then when the Son of Man comes, they will be among the first to rise. They wanted a better resurrection. And the instrument by which they were able to endure torture, the instrument by which they were able to bear the afflictions that will lead them to death, the Bible calls it what? Faith. So that's the kind of faith that Jesus is saying that will he find in the earth when he returns. So I said to us last week that the reason Jesus is asking that question is because Jesus knows the events that will lead to his return. And one of the critical things that will happen before he comes, the Bible calls it the great tribulation. Hmm. And we took our time to x-ray the word of Je words of Jesus in Matthew 24. And that's where I'm going to build tonight. Tonight, my emphasis is to talk about the day of the Lord. Mm. That's, that's, that's what I want to talk about. And if Jesus helps me, I will find the utterance to be able to bring the counsel of the Lord regarding the day of the Lord. So we looked at Matthew 24 carefully. And Jesus himself began to give us signs. Signs. When shall these things be? And what shall be the signs of your coming? 
and what will be the sign of the end of the age. That's what the disciples asked him. And then he began to give them markers that when you see this, you know it's the beginning of sorrows. When you see this, you know that the end has come. And when the end comes, before the Son of Man comes, there will be the sign of the Son of Man in the skies. And while we spoke last week, we began to say that if it is true, according to the words of Jesus, that the great tribulation will happen before he returns, it therefore means that every Christian will have to go through the great tribulation. So the emphasis last week was, are you prepared for such an experience? Is the church actually building warriors and militants that can defend the gospel even with their own lives? And you see, I began to show you that there were metaphors in the scripture that the Lord tried to show, used to show us what counterfeit Christianity can look like. There's the metaphor of the bored Christian. There's the metaphor of the hedonist, the lover of pleasure. There's the metaphor of the carnal Christian, Esau. And you see, I read a lot. I do a lot of study online. And I, I, I began to see that these things that we talk about, people think that we have, we have a desire to make Christianity hard. We just, if, if, it is, if, it is, if it is easy, we don't like that kind of Christianity. We just want to make Christianity difficult for everybody. They make it look as if there is something we gain for making people feel as if they have to do something extra in their work with God. And so, the kind of preachers that are, that are appealing to our generation are preachers who feed their fantasies. We don't want to be told the truth. The average Christian claims, I want to know the truth. But when you show them scriptures, they are either misinterpreting other scriptures or they are looking for excuses to escape the things that the Bible has said. And you see, we are going to look at 24 again as I build towards the day of the Lord. And you will see that Jesus was not ambiguous. You will be here. The Son of Man will arrive after the Great Tribulation. That's when he will come. And as long as he is coming after, it means that the day of the Lord will only occur after the Tribulation. But what is happening now is because we are in the last days. And Paul was saying to Timothy, he said, that when we approach the last days, one of the categories of the last days is there will be perilous times. And these perilous times will produce perilous men. The times have a way of creating an atmosphere for strange species of Christians to rise. Okay, let me show you. I think that is 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Verse 2. For men will be what? Now, do you understand what this scripture is saying? Go back to verse 1. You see, 
I want you to know how to read the Bible. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. After come, what do you see? A colon. What does that mean? The next thing that is going to follow is going to explain why there will be perilous times. Are you with me? That's what a colon means. The last days, there will be perilous times. So Paul understood that. It's possible that Timothy would have thought that. Why? So he puts a column. So that you are not guessing. Because we can raise people. He knew that our generation is coming and we are dangerous people. We have people in the pulpit who say that the 20 and 4 elders were not properly taught. Mm. That, that, that. <laughs> the elders in heaven were not taught. We are the ones that want to teach them. <laughs> so he put a colon so that you don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't start coming with strange things. He now says, four. That's why the four is there. Because there will be perilous times because men will be what? First thing, pleasure. Self will become a God that every man will, de will desire to please. Self. Men will elevate themselves even above God. I've taught you many times that in the visible realm, the battle that is happening in the realm of the visible is a battle for worship. If you refuse to worship God, you will worship something. And one of the possibilities that exist in this realm for you to worship is that yourself can become your idol, your comfort, your needs. Your ambitions can become God. He says men will be lovers of themselves. Now what Paul is saying is that when these characteristics begin to manifest, then it will create an atmosphere of persecution. Because one of the easiest ways to judge the false is to manifest the truth. So people will just hate you naturally because you are now at variance to what is popular. So there will be perilous times. It will be a time of great persecution. So if you are living in these days now and your Christianity is not costing you anything, it is possible that your Christianity is fake. If you are living in this time now, because it's not me, don't be angry with me. Me, I just like to quote scriptures. It says, any man who dares to live righteous in this world will suffer what? It's the Bible. The day you make up your mind that you want to choose Jesus over self, choose Jesus over your generation, choose Jesus over what is popular in your age, you will suffer persecution. There's no, there's no way to dodge it. You cannot, you cannot escape it by joining a denomination. Because Christianity is not the joining of a denomination. Christianity is the receiving of life. You are coming into another environment in the spirit. 
And once you enter into that environment, the devil will spot you. And even if you tell yourself that you will not look for Satan's trouble, you will look for your own. Automatically, you are identified in the spirit as an enemy and Satan will fight you. And Jesus said that Satan can use even members of your own house to fight you. So a man's enemies will be members of his own house. Jesus said so. So it's a man will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. You know what it means to be unholy? Not that they are impure alone, not that they are unclean alone. They no longer live as sacred men. They are common. They are like everybody in the world. Now we can't even tell the difference between a believer and a non-believer anymore. Everybody is unholy. So they said, they said oh, that we need Christian entertainers. That there is no way, no way we can live without Christian entertainers. And we need Christian entertainers. Come on now, we need Christian comedians. Then I asked, why don't we have Christian prostitutes? Since we need to Christianize everything that the world produces. Let's have Christian clubs. When you come in, we give you colos. Christian colos. We need Christian entertainers. For God's sake, the mountain of entertainment needs to be taken. Out of the mountain of prostitution. Because the Christian thinks that he, to, to, to be able to shine the light of Jesus, he must contaminate himself with what the world is selling. So, one of the so-called Christian entertainers was invited to perform in the Big Brother Nigeria vigil. Mm. Now, when you ask him, he's a Christian entertainer. He's not a gospel musician. He's not a worldly musician. He's a motivational singer. He's a no inspirational singer. Oh, his songs don't have anything carnal. He's in church. Hmm? He's in church. Right? But he performed at the Big Brother Nigeria video party. Now, someone like me is talking now. People will be angry. I've told you before, the matter is hunger. Food. It's food. And Paul is saying that in the last days, these are the kind of Christians that we'll be raising. Who think that if we must take entertainment, we must be part of the industry? Our fathers did not need entertainers. You see, brethren, I beg you in the name of God, with everything that I have, take time out. Tomorrow is public holiday. Sit down in your study. Find a corner. Go under a tree. Go to a field. Sit down with Jesus. Just read church history. Read church history. I beg you, read church history. You think there were not people that were singing in those days? You think that there were not? There were jesters. There were comedians. 
Look at what Paul said. He said, let there not be any foolish jesting. Name them. We don't want to quote that scripture. But he said we need Christian comedians because we are hungry. We will need to eat. We need to eat. So we want to bring the parallel system that looks exactly like the world but want to forcefully label it the pillars of Christ. You cannot win a righteous war with unrighteousness as a tool. You cannot. And this is why it looks as if we are growing in numbers everywhere, everywhere. But yet, the impact of Jesus cannot be felt like it was felt in the days of our fathers. Why are you looking for entertainment? One day I'm going to come here and teach on entertainment. Because there's a burden in my heart. Why are you looking for entertainment? Why? The Bible has been in your hand for days. You have not found hunger to read it. You know, <laughs> you may not like me. Huh? But I beg you, like the things I say. Hmm? When we stand with generations that live before us, and even men that are living now, in other nations of the world, eh? I wonder what will be our excuses. Do you know how many translations of the Bible are available? In hard copy and in soft copy. You look around this room now, the average person in this room, if not 99% of us, has a smartphone. There's Bible inside, all kinds of things inside. The problem is that we never read the Bible. And the painful thing is that there's not even hunger for the world. But we are hungry for entertainment. Jeremiah 5 and 31, he says, The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests bear rule according to their own desires. And the people love to have it so. So the problem is the people. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3, the Bible says that they will heap unto themselves teachers. They will heap unto themselves teachers. Because they feel that these things that these people, how can we just be around and we will not enjoy life? What do you call enjoyment? That's the problem. It's our definitions. Our definitions are killing a generation. Enjoyment, success, prosperity, breakthrough. What do these things really mean? What is a breakthrough? If you know how dangerous a breakthrough is, you will know why he said, pray, pray the prayer, lead us not into temptation. If you know how dangerous a breakthrough is, Noah, if he had known, he would not have asked God to open the door. He would have preferred to stay in that ark. Open door for him, he came out and he said he was doing thanksgiving. In the thanksgiving, he got drunk. Thanksgiving, no? Thanksgiving unto God, he got drunk and became naked. And out of his drunkenness, one of his sons were cursed. 
Just imagine from thanksgiving service to cursing. If he had known, he would have stayed in that ark and said, I don't want to come outside. You don't know what a breakthrough is. You don't want a breakthrough is. Lead us not into temptation. That prayer is like saying to God that if you know I'm not prepared for something, don't give me something that will kill me. No matter how bad I want it, when I'm knocking on the wrong door, keep it shut. That's what leads us not into temptation is. You know what is on the other side. You know, Lord, what is on the other side. You are all-knowing. So when I'm knocking here and he's looking as if I'm angry, God is not answering my prayers. Keep it short. Don't let me walk through a door in one minute and suffer for 20 years. Lead us not into temptation. That's what it is. If we do not go back to look at what our definitions should accurately represent, we will raise a generation that is raped. Give me Second Timothy chapter 4. 4, 4 and verse 3. Let's look at that scripture. Then we'll, we'll, we'll dive further. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure what? But according to what? Their own desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves. Teachers. See, there's a young man I need to speak to. If it is ministry you really want to do, ministry, prepare for men not to like you. If it's ministry, in this age, if you know you want to preach the truths of Jesus, prepare that you will be maligned, you will be hated, you will be spoken against. If you are not prepared to survive that, don't do ministry. If not, you will become one of these kind of teachers. Where you will be afraid to speak truth because you want to excite the generation. Let me show it to you in NIV. Give me NIV. NIV. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Give me NLT. For a time is coming. When, no, when, when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching, they will follow their own desires and do what? We look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. We are in those days. And you see, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm starting here is if the quality of sons available to God does not match the standards of faith, it means that the agenda of God will suffer. Will suffer. What does God want really? What is God looking for really? What is it that burns in the heart of God really? All you need to do is study the life of Jesus. My meat. This Jesus is to do the will of him that sent me. And to finish his work. Jesus. I'm quoting Jesus. The way Jesus lived in this realm, he epitomized what he taught when he said, you are in this world, but you are not off of this world. 
Oh, so, so we shouldn't go to work, so we should, not, we should not eat food. That's not what I'm saying. You are just trying to be dramatic. Go to work. But live with an understanding. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, 11, or is it 2 Peter now? He said, live with an understanding that you are a stranger and a pilgrim in this world. That's what Peter said. You are a stranger. You are a pilgrim. You are only walking through. And when you are a pilgrim, you only carry what is necessary to guarantee that your journey is successful. You don't begin to build permanent structures where you are a temporary resident. You don't begin to build attachment to things that are only supposed to facilitate your journey. You don't. Because you are a stranger and you are a pilgrim. Look at it. First Peter 2.11 Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly loss. Which do what? Why against your soul? This is how our fathers lived. That's why it was not difficult for them to die for Jesus. They had no attachments to this world. No attachments. They understood that a Christianity that costs you nothing is not Christianity in itself. Your Christian life must be costing you all. All. Not some. All. It will cost you the way you relate with people. Not everybody can be your friend. Not everybody can be in your life. You can't marry everybody. No. Say he attends church. No. You, you, you know that it goes beyond attending church. Because marriage primarily is not for sex. Marriage is for destiny. It's so that two can chase 10,000. So that out of that couple, God can gain maximum profit for the kingdom. Sex is just a tool to help facilitate, oil the engine, so that you will keep doing what the Lord wants you to do. So if the quality of people are affected, then I'm trying to say to you that the desire of Jesus will not be met. Will he find faith? in the earth when he returns. So I was saying to you last week that one of the major reasons that all these kind of teachers are rising in the body of Christ is the average Christian is being prepared to escape. You say before the tribulation will start, we would have gone. We would have escaped. You know the Bible says um Two shall be in the field, one shall be taken and one shall be left. You know that, Abby? We will look at it again today. I'm not a bad man, I just like to preach Bible. We will look at it today in the context of what Jesus was teaching. You know the Bible was not written in chapters and verses. Originally. It's when the translators wanted to make it easy to read and understand that it was put in chapters and verses. So most times, what you are reading in verse 45 is actually the continuation of a thought, maybe in, in three chapters before. Probably in another book. So if you don't know how to put things together properly, you will come up with error. So because Christians are thinking that, oh, God cannot allow us to suffer rot. 
God loves us too much. The Bible says that there will be a tribulation so great as the world has never seen. That why will God allow his children go through that? I only need to ask you, why do you think you are special? That is an entitlement mentality from the pit of hell. So you think we are more special than men that they put their neck like this with cutlass. And said, renounce. And they say, we will not renounce. Jesus did not escape from heaven with galloping on 62 horses. You know how Indian vim is. Ula <laughs> moko. If you, if you like your senses and you don't want to look like a foolish person, don't watch Indian movies. <laughs> I assure you, you'll be angry. you say, so this person thinks I'll be fool now. <laughs> Somebody can stand here in an Indian movie and stretch like this and catch a baby at NRA Junction. <laughs> Ole Kuma. People lost their lives. Families were burnt alive. You know in the book of Genesis, when Hagar was running away from Sarah, hmm? when she overheard Abraham and Sarah talking and her heart was grieved, and she ran with her baby. Eh? The Bible says she got to a place and she cast the baby afar off. And she said, I do not want to hear my baby cry and die. It's in Genesis. She left the baby afar off. And she went to a corner. The Bible says she went to a corner. And she wept unto the Lord. Go and read it. The Bible says, he didn't hear Hagar's cry. He said, the Lord heard the cry of the baby. Babies were burnt. They cried, God didn't hear. Hmm? And the only reason they were killing them, in northern Nigeria, pregnant women were caught open. Hmm? And their babies harvested from their stomach. God heard the cry of Hagar's baby. That one, he allowed that one to die. Then you are sitting on a high horse and feeling special because you know how to do go, go, go. You now say, that why will God allow his people to suffer? Why? So we we'll have escaped. Because the Bible says he has not appointed us unto wrath. How are you interpreting Bible? He's not talking about the wrath of tribulation. He's talking about the wrath of the final judgment. So if you don't prepare yourself accurately, if you don't understand these truths, you'll be living in a fantasy. Like I told you last week when we were closing. Hope for the best. Hmm? But prepare for the worst. That if I am here, and they say, remove your eye. If they put knife in this, your eye. I'm, I'm being very serious. This is your golden eye. They put knife inside now. And they say, we will take away your eyes and you will be blind forever. But all you need to do is renounce Jesus. 
Are you sure you don't love your eyes more than Jesus? Eh? You know, we don't, we don't want to think about these kind of things. Some people are saying, he has come again now. He has come again. Why can't he just preach simple things? Are you sure that this is your leg? You don't like your leg more than Jesus. I was sharing with them in PTI a story I read 15 years ago. It's called the miracle of the Mokata mountain. The miracle of the Mokata mountain. And there was an emperor. Ancient story. And he hated Christians so much. He hated them. Hated them. So what did he do? He read in scripture that the Bible says if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And it will be removed. So he called the bishop of the church that time. And he said, your Bible says, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. He said, I want to build a road here. He said, I give you three days. Take your time. Three days. You must speak to this mountain and let it move. That mountain was called the Mokata Mountain. So the bishop, he wanted to try and explain. He said, uh-uh, your Bible says you can speak. So he went to prayer. According to what I read, as he was crying to God, God now told him that I have a son somewhere. And he's the one that has the anointing to move the mountain. So the bishop left his house in search for this man. This man was called Simon the Tainer. Tainer means one that makes shoes. So he went to look for him. When the bishop got to the boys, to the cobbler's workshop, he saw the guy with one eye. With an eye patch. And then he was, he was, he was set about the ah. I left all the people with two eyes. All the complete human beings. It's somebody with one eye that God is sending me to. What is so? So he decided to ask Simon. Simon, Simon, what happened to your eye? And Simon told him a strange story. In those days when they wanted to make shoes, when you come, you will put your leg on a stool like this. And then the cobbler will have to measure your leg to get the perfect drawing. So a beautiful lady walked into his store one day. As she put her leg on the stool, somehow her skirt cast down. And he saw the lady's lap and lost rose in his heart. And he said, Kai, me that has been working with God for so long, I will not allow my eye put me in trouble. So he took one of his tools in the, in the store and plucked out his eye. He took a tool. He didn't, go to, he didn't go to the hospital. You know some people say, they want to die, they want to die. <laughs> say, I don't, I see, I don't tire me, I want to kill my Then they come to a public place. <laughs> oh guys, you want to die. Holy <laughs> <laughs> Kube. They come to a public place. He didn't look for a doctor. He took one of his tools. Put it in his own eye. Do you know the pain? 
and plucked out his eyeball. He said, because the scripture says, if your eye will cause you to sin, pluck it out. But we have a generation that lives with lust. We cover masturbation with tongues. Cover pornography and call it weakness. We have Christians that can steal from the office and justify it that their rent is due. We have thieves in the pulpit. We have a generation that we are raising that we do anything for comfort in this realm. You know why? They are hoping they will escape. Every man's faith will be tested. So let's begin. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Let me establish what I showed you yes, last week. First Thessalonians chapter 4, let's begin at verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk to please God. Next verse. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from what? Verse 4. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel, how? In sanctification and honor. You see, brethren, one of the things that is plaguing our generation is sexual immorality. It's, it's painful that the teaching I did in PTI yesterday was not recorded. It's painful. But I'm going to do a teaching here. Because I have that body in my heart. Sexual immorality is a plague. Do you know, because I was preparing for that teaching, I went online to look at some statistics across the world. It says that one in five searches in Google, one in every five searches in Google, is a search for pornography. 70% of adult males between the ages of 18 and 70 hmm, watch pornography, download pornography at least once a month. This is the one that scared me. The most popular day of the week that people watch pornography is Sunday. Live statistics. Sunday. You know the internet is not where you can escape. Everybody that does anything on the internet, your footprint is on the internet. It's when you get into trouble, you will know that that nude picture that you took in the night, the boy says, see your pointed nose, and he's like, hey. you, he says, send me your, your nakedness. You now sent him. Then you now deleted it. You think he deleted. He's in the e-space. If they want to call it, they can call it. It's not deleted. It's available. Yes. Every one of us, when you are working on the internet, your footprint is available. You can be tracked. All your activity can be monitored. Sexual immorality. So Paul was telling them that if you want to please God, one of the ways you survive in such a generation is that there is a technology. You know how to possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor. Why do you honor your body? Because your body is the dwelling place 
of the Lord. He dwells in you by His Spirit. Let's go. Verse 5. Not in passion of loss like the Gentiles who do not know God. Verse 6. That no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is the adventure of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. Go further. For God did not call us to uncleanliness but to what? But in holiness. 8. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man but rejects God who has also given us what? 9. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Ten. And indeed you do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. I'm going somewhere. I'm just reading the whole thing to give you background. That you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we what? Just follow the reading. That you, walk prop, you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may what? Lack nothing. 13. But I do not want you bread to be ignorant brethren. Now he's entering a certain teaching. Are you with me? But I do not want you to be ignorant brethren concerning those who have what? Lest you sorrow as others who have no... So what is he talking about here now? People who died. He's saying that there are people who died as Christians. But I don't want you to be weeping like other people. Right? That people who die as unbelievers do not have hope. But those who died as Christians, there is a hope. We have hope. So what is the emphasis of this teaching? Those who have fallen. Do you agree with me? Next verse. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep where? 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So those of us who are alive, when Jesus comes, we will not be first. That is, we are not going to resurrect first. We are not going to, I mean not resurrect, we are not going to meet with Jesus first. In the order of things, Paul is saying that those who die in Christ will be first to meet with the Lord before those of us who are alive. That's what it means by they will not, we will not precede them. Are we together? Go forward. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will do what? Next verse. Then we who are alive and remain shall be what? In the clouds. To meet who? And thus we shall always Praise God. Now he says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Why does he say comfort one another with these words? Because he's talking about those who have what? Fallen asleep. That even though I have a brother, a sister, a father, a mother who died in Christ, I don't need to be hopeless. I don't need to be feeling bad. They will resurrect first. They will meet Jesus first. 
and eventually we will all meet together. But what I want you to see here, go back to verse 17, is that he says that we will all be caught up in the air and then we will meet the Lord. Now, those who believe in pre-tribulation rapture, they say things like, um, we'll be raptured before the tribulation and then Christ will come after the tribulation to judge the world. Are you with me? So what they are implying is that there will be two second comings. So Christ will come, take the church, and then go and wait for seven years, and then come again to judge the world. That's not scripture. Are you with me? Because he's going to, his second coming is once. And when he comes that once, there will be the rapture, and there will be judgment. His second coming will be once. Because the Bible says that we shall be caught up together with them. Where? In the clouds. And who will we meet? The Lord. Remember what we read in Matthew last week. He says, after the tribulation, when the end has come, after the tribulation of those days, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear where? In the skies. There will be a great trumpet. And then the sign of the Lord. Go back to verse 16. Go back to verse 16. Kai, time is running. Go back to verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with what? A shout. With the voice of an angel. And with what? A trumpet of God. So there will be a sound in the heavens. And we will ascend to meet with him. By that time, the great tribulation would have finished. It would have finished. Oh, they said that uh, um, the Bible says that just like in the days of Noah, people were eating and drinking and going about marrying and all of that, and then the flood came. And Noah and his family was preserved in the ark. That so, the church will be taken away before the flood will come. Wait. Was Noah taken away from the flood? Noah was preserved in the flood. Are you seeing the difference? Noah was not... They did, God didn't take him to heaven. And say, you will not see the flood. He was inside there when it rained. He was in the middle of the flood. But what happened... He was preserved. Anybody telling you that you will escape is trying to make a mockery of your work with God and make you unprepared for what is coming. While I was teaching last week, in Matthew chapter 24, the Bible says that for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. You know what they said? They said that the elect are the 144,000 that the Bible says will be gathered. That those are the elect. That the elect does not speak about us. Let me show you another scripture. 
Give me Revelation chapter 7. Let's begin at verse 1 so that you will enjoy it. Just stay with me. We'll soon be done. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding four winds, the four, four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or any tree. Verse 2. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea. Three. Saying, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their... There's no time. You see, this thing, this thing we are doing, maybe our next um, foundation school, we, we will focus on this thing well, so that we can do extensive details in scripture. So you will see the riches of all the trumpets, Three, three trumpets, and then you will understand some of these things. Verse 4. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. How many? 144,000. Of where? All the tribes of the children of Israel. I want you to remember it all. Verse 5. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben. And the reason Judah comes before Reuben is because Reuben lost his birthright. Are you with me? 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of God, 12,000 were sealed. Six. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. Of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. Seven. Of the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi, 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulon, 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. Nine. After these things, behold, I looked and behold, a great multitude. You know there's a sect that claims that they are, the, they are a Christian sect. And they say that these 144,000 are the number of Christians that will go to heaven. Have you heard that before? But look at it now. After these 144,000, what does it say? It says, Be, after these things, I looked. And behold, a great multitude. Which no one could number. Oh, Melekazia. I'm in that number. No matter what Satan does, my name will be numbered among them. Of all nations. That means I will be one of the Urobo people there. I may not be as rich as others, but in this day, your wealth will not count. The matter will be whether you have been clothed with white robes. Whether you have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. In this day, every man will be equal. Nobody is checking your bank account. I know when you go to church now, they don't give you a front seat. Because you don't contribute to what is happening. But in this day, nobody will stand in front because he drives a Mercedes. The thing that qualifies you to be in this number is that you are clothed in white. Only Maccabi attire. What qualifies you to be in this number? Is that you bear upon you the mark of Jesus. You have survived. You survived the immorality. You survived the drunkenness. You survived the prostitution. You kept yourself in the middle of a corrupted generation. And even when it looked as if there was no food to eat, no clothes to wear, no shoes to wear, you said, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. I will serve Him with all that I am and all that I have. If you are in that number, shout hallelujah. 
said, which no one could number of all nations. Swahili, Portuguese, English, American, Irish, Scottish, Nigerian, Africans, all tribes, all peoples, all tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Verse 10, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. But that's not where I'm going. All the angels stood around the throne, and the four and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. Verse 12, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor, and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. 13. Then one of the elders, one of the elders that one preacher said were not properly trained. Were not taught. One of the elders answered saying to me, the elder was saying to John now, who are these arrayed in white robes? He was asking John, this person with gray hair, who is this? And where did they come from? 14. And I said to him, oh God, you are the one that dwells there. I do know. So he now gave him understanding. He says, these are the ones who came out of where? They came out of where? And what happened? They washed their robes. And they made them white. Will you come out? That's the question. Will you come out? This is scripture. I didn't write it. They came out of where? The great tribulation. And they washed their robes with the blood of the Lamb. My brother, the way you are now, can you survive the great tribulation? Can you survive? Will you be among those? He said, these are the ones. They made it. When Satan came and said, you will not be able to eat except you take the mark. You know, he said, when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place. And what is the abomination of desolation? I said, I will tell you this week. The abomination of desolation, what is the correct translation is the abomination that causes desolation. And where did it come from? It came from Daniel chapter 9, 27. The abomination that causes desolation. What is the abomination? The Antichrist, what he will do is that he will make an image of himself. And that idol is what is considered an abomination. That idol will be built in the temple in Jerusalem. So he says, when you see the abomination of, of desolation that causes desolation standing in the holy place, he says, that's the time to begin to run. Because by then, the Antichrist he has entered. Lawlessness will begin to increase. That's what Paul was talking about in First Thessalonians chapter 5. Lawlessness. Lawlessness will abound everywhere. This Antichrist will begin to perform signs, wonders. He will give food. Now that you don't have control over your stomach, food is your weakness. Or oh God, can you survive? Will you come out of the great tribulation? Will you come out? 
You've been threatening God since January now. That if this year ends without your breakthrough, you will deny him. Oh God. Oh God. There is more to your life than comfort. There is more. And I am not against comfort. The way God helped us to buy that land. There is no way we could have done it if God did not put pressure. Put the need in the hearts of men. There are people God has blessed financially. There are some of you here God has blessed financially. All of us are making sacrifices. You know why? The money does not control us. We know the reason God has put the money in our hand is to advance the kingdom. To advance the kingdom. It was in Revelation chapter 11. I think it's verse 15 now. That when the, the angels sounded the seventh trump, that there was a shout in heaven that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. Let's look at it together. Revelations. Then the angel, the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign how? Forever and ever. Verse 16 is very sweet. Look at verse 16. He says, and the twenty and four elders who sat before God on the thrones, on their thrones, fell on their faces and worshipped God. 17. Saying, we give thanks. We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. Because you have taken your great power and done what? Reigned. What does God want? He wants kingdoms. He wants peoples. He wants territories to come under his government. That is the priority of God. That's why when Jesus appeared on the earth, he didn't say, I've come to heal your body. He preached one simple message. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. He came announcing the kingdom. This is a matter of the kingdom. And our faith will be tested. When I began to have challenge with my eye, one of the nights, you see, me, I believe in miracles. I know God does miracles. We've seen him do miracles here. Hmm? And one of the nights, I was saying to the Lord, because even as a younger boy, I used to tell the Lord that I will preach that this is my body. Even at 99, I will still be playing football. And no part of my body will suffer. I will preserve it to the best of my ability. When my eyes started, all of a sudden, nowhere, there's nothing they didn't tell me. They say, ah, it's diabetes. They say, it's diabetes. They say, there are only four things that can cause the problem. Let me just tell you. There's nothing to hide. You see, there's a vein that goes from your brain to your eye. Hmm? to your retina. They found out that my own just went blocked. Eh? And then blood. You can't see it with your physical eyes. But blood vessels in my eye began to rupture. You know like when a human being has stroke. They say I suffer stroke in my eye. Blood vessels began to rupture. So when they looked at it, I saw 
they used one instrument to take a picture of the eye. My entire eye was covered in blood. So they say it's diabetes. They say, no, no. If it's not diabetes, it's high blood pressure. If it's not high blood pressure, then it's cholesterol. And may I ask myself, I fast like I'm going to die. Where the cholesterol one day? My mother that is over 70 or 70 there about, drinks coke every day. She doesn't have diabetes. My mother and coke? Le bruzivanaka. Cold coke. Jesus. That old woman doesn't have diabetes. The one that bore me in her womb and carried me, I cannot have. They said, no, you have to do tests, do tests. So we did all the tests. Everything came back negative. They say it's age. Okay, what age? They say you're causing people that are over 60 and above. I say, oh God, never resist. Don't let this thing. Ole Kuma. I never resist it. So when everything had finished, me and my wife brought all the tests and dropped it and then we sat down. I just wanted them to finish. When they finished, I knew what the problem is. Satan knows he can't stop this voice. No, no, no. So he will try anything else. But if he can touch the body, he can't touch my spirit. Uh, so one of the nights, I lay there. I said, God, heal this eye. I said, how will it be that I'm just standing there wearing glasses? Some people's faith will be affected. <laughs> and Jesus told me, to heal the eye is not difficult. I can do all things. Say, but you need to come to a point in your life where despite the conditions of your finances, your body, your life, you bear the banner of Jesus. So your condition does not define who God is. God is God. And we will love him till we die. Till we die. If he doesn't give us money, we will love him. Uh, is it our money that we are using to do the things we are doing? He will wake people in the night in South Korea and say, send, send money there. Send, send money there. The man will even be angry. He will be going to the bank angry. But he can't stop it. He will send the money. Because the Lord has need of it. Even if we don't have clothes, we don't have food, we will love Jesus till we die. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. With all I am, with all I am, I will live to honor His command. I pledge allegiance to. I pledge. With all, with all, with all I am, I will lead to honor His command. I pledge allegiance to the 
let me show you a scripture. Isaiah 13 and verse 9. That's where we're closing tonight. Oh, I feel the weight of glory here. There's somebody at the back there. You are discouraged. You came into this meeting discouraged. Heartbroken. Pain in your heart. The Lord brings you words of comfort. Fear not. For I will be with you. I will hold your hand. I will bring you to a place of rest. The person I'm speaking to, they know what I'm talking about. You came here broken. Oh, I just heard the Holy Ghost that the doors of depression are being closed right now. That spirit of depression that flooded your room. Oh my God. There are two people online. A, a weight. You just woke up and felt a weight of depression. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. As I'm speaking now, that spirit lifts. There is something called the joy of the Lord. It's a dimension of the spirit of God. That joy of the Lord begins to flood your space. Right now. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says, behold. The day of the Lord comes. Cruel. With both wrath and fierce anger. To lay the land desolate. And it will destroy what? It's sinners. From it. The day of the Lord begins with the second coming of the Lord. That's what we call the day of the landlord. All the tenants in the earth will have to face the landlord. It's his day. The Bible says when the day of the Lord comes, who can stand? The sinners, when the day of the Lord comes, they are appointed unto wrath. But those of us who are born again, we are appointed unto salvation. In Christ Jesus. We're not going to be judged to, pun to be punished. The Christian is going to be measured for rewards. When we appear at the judgment seat of Christ, God is going to be checking our lives. The way you lived. Do you deserve a reward? And in that day, you will see Musa, Musa, Musa with his Jalabia that you thought was nothing. That you, you were wearing Ashwebi coming to sing in the choir and you saw Musa and you felt Musa was nothing not knowing that Musa was a secret lover of Jesus laboring in intercession praying and begging God to come Musa was going about picking condemned items and you thought that everyone that bears Musa is an enemy of Jesus you will see nameless faceless people their crowns will be full of stars and many that you think are popular, their congregations, men were shouting and saying, Go deeper, Papa. That day, the only deeper place they can go is a place of dishonor. Because the Bible says there will be vessels unto honor. And there will be vessels, what? I will not miss my reward. No, I won't. And I know that there are people here who are determined they will not miss their reward. There's a young lady on my right. There is pressure on you to commit sexual immorality. I just saw the light of God shine here. Intense pressure. Intense pressure. But the Lord said he will strengthen you with might. Everything about your life is tied to your virginity, your consecration. God wants you to keep yourself. Don't give in. Don't, don't, oh my God. Don't bow to pressure. Don't bow to pressure. 
I bring you the word of God. It is he that endures to the end that will be saved. Whether you like it or not, some of us will need to pay with our lives. Are you prepared to die? If he calls us to death, we will be like Jesus. He says like a lamb to the sheriffs. He opened up not his mouth. He opened up not his mouth. We will not bow to perversion. While we are alive, Satan will not take our children. While we are alive, we will fight on our knees for our teenagers. We will raise teenagers in worry that are full of the Holy Ghost and power. In our days, our campuses will carry fire. There will be campuses that if you walk through the gates, you will, you will find Jesus. Because some of us will pray at those gates. Whether there is food, we will pray. When there is no food, we will pray. Whether there is school fees, we will pray. When there is no school fees, we will pray. If we have a job, we will use the job for Jesus. Because the tribulation is coming. And we will survive it. We will survive it. Rise on your feet tonight and begin to pray for grace. Say, Lord, men died refusing deliverance. They said that they might obtain a better resurrection. Lord, that kind of strength give to me. Some of you have compromised. You compromised because you were hungry. But thank God, Jesus has not yet come. So you still have a chance to get back on track. You still have a chance. Song of saints till I reach my home. Make sure you are praying. Lord, fortify me. I will not bow to Mammon. I will not bow to Babylon. I will not bow to immorality. I'll keep singing a song of sins till I reach my home.
I will not fall. I don't care how perverse this generation is. I will stand. If my life will be taken, I will stand. Daddy, all I need is an assurance. Strengthen me with might in my inner man. Omele kabola biabaya. Rande kobrisa libode bariate. Shale mariato. Hunger will not make me deny Jesus. The burden of the Lord is for territories. The burden of the Lord is for peoples. It's for tribes. It's for tongues. It's for kingdoms. Oh! While we are praying, there are some of you that have compromised. And while I was teaching, God was putting his finger on your heart. But you want to repent tonight. Run to the altar. You have compromised in sexual immorality. You have compromised financially. You have compromised in your integrity. You have brought dishonor to the name of Jesus. Wherever you are, run to the altar. Peradventure, you are here tonight. You have never given your life to Jesus. And you say, Pastor, I want to be born again. Wherever you are, run out, run out, run out. Come now, it's a good day to get saved. It's a good day to get born again. It's a good day to say no to compromise. I will not bring this honor to the name of God. You provide the fire. And I'll provide the sacrifice. You provide your spirit. And I will open up inside.
we will know those who truly live. We will know. We will serve Jesus with everything. Recklessly. With our body, with our time, with our money, with all that we have. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, my God. I wish we had, we had more time. I wish, I wish. Thank you, Lord. Those of you in front, once you have finished pouring your heart out to Jesus, you can go to your seat. If there is anyone in front that has not given their lives to Christ, step up. You are not yet born again. Come up, come up. Come up. God bless you. God bless you. Oh my God. There are supposed to be two. As I held her hand, God told me there's somebody else. Where's the person that needs to be born again today? He's okay. He's okay. Where's the other person? Oh, Omelekadia. Yes, yes. The Lord is not just saving your soul. He's He's putting a fire on your spirit. He's put, oh my God. Come, come. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Let there be separation. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Let everything that is darkness be broken off your lives. As you surrender to Jesus today, you enter into a new economy. Fire of God. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Oh, my Lord. Williams, please, please go to this brother there. He will lead you to Christ quickly. I just needed to pray for you. Oh, Oh, victory belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to Him. Those of you in front, once you feel a release, you can go to your seat.
place in the spirit. And I want you to carry this thing home. Oh my God. I feel so encouraged. So if you are not under the power of the Holy Ghost, bring out your offerings quickly. If you are doing a transfer, you can do it now. Or you can do it when you get home so that you are not distracted. We are going to do that song two times, on-site, online. The, the bank details are there, you can transfer. If you are giving cash physically, the offering baskets are going around. Give your offerings now. The Holy Ghost is moving around. Don't be distracted. People that are being touched by the power of God, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. Not everybody will fall under the anointing. But the power of God will be great, will be mighty. Will be mighty, will be mighty, will be mighty. Why are you ready? Who can stand against the Lord? Who can stand against the Lord? No one. No one can. No one will stand against the King. Who can stand against the King? No one can. No Thank you for your rich presence tonight. Thank you for your rich presence tonight. Take all the glory, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, the Lord places his hand on you. I speak peace. Peace to your soul. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. It's well with you. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Please be seated. Help him, help him, help him, help him. Help him, just take him to the back. 
quickly, quickly. I know we are out of time. But there's something administrative we need to do quickly. The people that are under the power, just help them. Just help them. Just help them. Just help them. So nobody gets hurt. Oh my God. We'll move on so that we can release it. Because the things that are open here, if I press for that, there will be an avalanche. So let's arrest it. So you carry it in your spirit and go home.